Welcome into All Eyes on Cleveland on a Monday night special edition time, 8.30 p.m. Coming to you as uh, it's a getaway day for me, uh, getting out of town and heading on vacation. But the Browns are just getting fired up at the Greenbrier in West Virginia. It's Monday, July 24th. Training camp is underway. Uh, some 11-on-11s today, some stuff going on in camp, lots of people talking at the podium. Much to discuss here tonight. Our guest, Jake Burns, has lost power. Uh, so, it will just be me and you for the time being until Jake can uh, uh, recover his power and uh, join us here on uh, the show tonight, but there's still plenty to talk about, and you, we know you're the best chat in the land, so file on in and get your questions fired up here on Allies on Cleveland, the OBR streaming network at uh, Twitch and YouTube. Mikey, can we uh, rid of this music? Thank you, sir. You're a gentleman and a scholar. All right, welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland. This is episode 284. Glad that you could be with us. Uh, they are underway. It is all happening in West Virginia uh, as the Browns have arrived. Uh, yeah, solar-powered Twitch. Uh, yeah, uh, are we signing a defensive tackle? Let, let, we can start there. Uh, Chris, it's a good question. Um, I wrote about this and things I think I know over the weekend at the OBR. In fact, go to the OBR and uh, check out all of the writing we're doing, including the live wire, which gives you minute to minute updates of everything happening, uh, in, um, the, uh, uh, what's the name of the, the town there? It's out in the middle of nowhere, but, uh, at the Greenbrier resort. Uh, interestingly enough, it was listening a little bit today. Uh, to Browns Daily and Zagura was talking about. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm kind of all over the place here. So let me let me uh, tell you about my day here. So uh, I'm packing to leave for vacation to go to the beach, uh, and uh, I don't know how, but uh, I absolutely yeah, there it is, White Sulfur Springs. Thanks, Pat. I. Uh, severely injured my back just packing. Uh, I guess this is the uh, things that come when you're 41 years old. Uh, but just bent over to put a t-shirt in the old, uh, you know, suitcase and bing, bang, boom. I'm basically crawling around the house at this point. So uh, that's where we are uh, with my day. Uh, and then, you know, go on to hop on the show here as, as I'm leaving on a plane tomorrow to go to Myrtle Beach. So it'll be like my last uh, vacation with my son before he goes off to play football at Westminster. Uh, he's leaving on the 8th to go play uh, football. And so him and uh, my wife and me are, yeah, uh, I'm on the pup list. Exactly. Uh, and uh, so I don't know how I'm going to make it through an airport onto the plane. And then uh, to uh, the condo tomorrow, but we'll give it the old college try. Uh, because right now I can't make it from here to the door uh, to my studio uh, without uh, keeling over in pain. So my wife just ran me in some uh, Red Bull and uh, 
Uh, we're going to give this a shot here. And then, you know, Jake's power goes out. So we don't have him, but we're going to, we're going to fight on through here. That's what we do. Uh, that's what we would uh, expect of, uh, of anybody, uh, here. So the reason I'm doing the show now is because I won't be here on Thursday. So I figured, heck, I'll get a show in before I leave. Uh, lots going on. So fire up your questions if you got them. Thanks for the uh, compliment there, uh, Keith. Thanks for reading the article. Uh, I gave it away on Twitter, but we had three T-shirt winners last week. All three people uh, that, uh, well, three of the four people, I, I just decided to be generous, and we're going to send those T-shirts out, and they have uh, sent in their information. Uh, and uh, so they will get those T-shirts in the T-shirt giveaway. Keep your eyes open for that. We'll be giving away more soon. Uh, if you're listening on podcast, leave a rate and review as we are going to start doing gift card giveaways for really fantastic reviews in the uh, podcast section. So uh, bribing you for your, your reviews there. So uh, hit the like button, uh, hit subscribe and hit the notification bell. Uh, so, you know, when we go live every time here at the OBR, so let's get to, uh, let's get into this stuff. Uh, Chris is asking, are we signing a defensive tackle? Listen, I very much feel strongly that they should. So, uh, many people will talk to talk about uh, Perry on Winfrey as if he couldn't be counted on. He couldn't be accounted for uh, in, you know, this defensive tackle room. And that in the comments in the article I wrote about, my article is based on going in. If you're going to go all in like the Browns are, and they've done moves like a team going all in, the Zedaria Smith move, uh, things like that, right, That that appear that they are pushing their chips in this year is critically important. Uh, failure this year would result in sweeping changes most likely. So they have to win, right? And they have to, uh, you know, put together the best team possible. They still have some money to spend. Uh, I thought they needed to add a defensive tackle before Winfrey was dismissed from the team. But with Winfrey gone, my concern is this, um, Chris, that especially now, even if you get uh, in the comments of my article, I was told by someone to be patient and that as a GM, you need to be patient in this situation. Um, and, uh, and chat makes a good point here about this. So um, is there value to wait until cuts to find uh, the last few depth players potentially? Right. But like, here's the thing with that. They have the Tristan Hills of the world. They have the Maurice Hurst of the world already on the roster, right? You're hoping one of those or two of those guys work out for you and fill a role. So today, just just kind of preface this, they when they came out in the first 11-on-11 11 11 session um, of, of training camp that uh, it was on the interior, Jordan... Uh, Elliot and it was Dalvin Tomlinson and they came out in the nickel and it was Emerson Award on the outside and Newsom on the inside. Now listen, they did go on and we'll talk about this later to give Ward continued reps on the inside, which I'm finding a little surprising as one of our topics tonight. But while we're on defensive tackle, listen, Shelby Harris, uh, Hicks, Matt Ioannidis mainly, right, 
are guys that provide you with a start right away. Like th- that player is an immediate improvement over Elliot, right? That player is uh, moves the needle for your defense and suddenly and, and moves everybody down the depth chart. So now if you get, you know, X amount of snaps from Hurst or Hill during the season, their defensive tackle four instead of three, um, you know what I mean? You're not banking on two guys coming through. You're not banking on Elliot having, you know, suddenly once again, we're, it feels like we're putting a lot on him to, to be a starter again, which doesn't feel great. You're really one Dalvin Tomlinson injury away from running a very, very eerily similar group back out there at defensive tackle. And it wasn't good enough last year. And, and, and listen, the unknown here is Schwartz, right? The unknown here is can Schwartz turn one of these players into a better player, a better version of themselves in this scheme? It's very possible, but it's not something you can bank on. I would very much like that to see them take some of the money they have right now and make a push for Ionitis, Hicks, Shelby Harris, and really shore up that room. What's the point in going all in and building this fantastic roster full of ta- talent just to come up short in a few places? Linebacker, defensive tackle, running back three. Go ahead and finish it out. I see you guys mentioning Indomitian and Sue. Indomitian and Sue will not listen. Um, I don't get excited about Sue. Yeah, he's, it's okay. That's fine. But you're not going to get Sue anytime soon. It might even be a mid season. He joined mid season last year. Um, Two vodka cranberries and your back pain uh, is a thing of the past. Trust me. Thank you, James. I appreciate that. Uh, I, I appreciate all and in, in any uh, uh, home remedies. I'm sure that is one uh, that works. Absolutely. Um, so you don't believe the Haslam's when they say expectations are high, but this isn't a must win. No, I do not believe them. It is absolutely a must uh, mark. Uh, thanks for the question. I, I know I, I don't believe them. It's a bold-faced lie uh, from the Haslam's there. It is 100% a must-win year. Like, how how is it not? Uh, so, no, I do not believe them. Uh, and they will always say that. But, uh, you know, I, I don't put a lot of stock into what they say, right? Like, I don't even really know why they came out and spoke today, really, to be honest. Uh, there's no DT on the market that moves the needle. Sue Shelby Harris. We'll see. I would say that uh, Keith, I would disagree with you and say that Shelby Harris and Matt Ioannidis both move the needle for me. Even Hicks moves the needle as he brings in. Um, listen, you just need somebody. And here's a great point, And I was just going to get to this. So uh, fat boy with a fantastic point. And so I'll uh, where. Where did we talk about this? Okay, so Barry specifically, Andrew Barry specifically, went out of his way in his press availability, right, to talk about Zadarius playing on the interior. Um, Is it possible that we are, like, I look at him as like a third down, they kick him inside, Okoronkwu, or Okoronkwo, pardon me, and uh, Miles Garrett, coming off the edge, right? And uh, you move Zedarius inside and 
Uh, that's your kind of like NASCAR look, right? So we know Zedarius can play inside, but you know Barry going out of his way to mention that about Zedarius playing on the interior, maybe he is their like backup plan for defensive tackle. Maybe they're gonna play him a ton at the three tech, right? Or a ton at, uh, you know, off the four, uh, you know, because of the wide nine, um, he'll fit nicely in there, right? Like, and maybe they're going to rely on Zedarius to, to provide a large number of snaps on the interior, or he's like their backup plan for that, right? Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's why they feel okay about that room. Like, hey, if we have to, we can always kick Sidarius in there. We've got Alex Wright, too, who we feel like can provide us some snaps on the inside. I've been saying all along, I think Alex Wright looks better inside than he does out on the edge. So maybe that's the plan, right? Uh, there is a lot of flexibility. Uh, Bradley, good to see you in the chat here tonight, Bradley. Uh, Bruns, there's a lot of flexibility, especially with five down linemen. I still want another DT. Yeah, me too. I, I was like, I totally agree with you. There is a lot of flexibility, as I mentioned, with Alex Wright. Um, the problem that I worry about mainly is that Tomlinson and Ika, to me, are two down guys. We've talked a lot about lately about Tomlinson is like the highest paid defensive tackle in the NFL that doesn't play third downs very often, right? So him... Siaka Ika, maybe I'm wrong about him. Maybe he becomes a, a pass rush guy that can get a good push on the inside and then he's in on third downs. I, I'm not sure. But right from the start, those guys feel like run stuffers and guys that'll be in on first and second down and then off the field on third down. So, um, and, and how effective is Ika going to be, right? We talk, we've talked at length about rookies and in the learning curve at defensive tackle is a big one it's a that's one of the more difficult transitions to make from college football to the nfl tomlinson looks like he lost weight uh from keith tomlinson uh might be playing more than normal listen he hasn't overwhelmed anybody with the amount of snaps that he's played in the past keith so if he plays more than normal that'd be great um but, I, you know, I still don't know if he's going to be out there a ton on third downs. What are your thoughts on using Z Smith as a rover and letting him choose his inside gap? Yeah, I mean, that may be something that, um, Bradley, that may be something that they, they do. So, especially on third down. So, if, if you want to kind of div, dive into this, I just wrote an article on this uh, this weekend. It's examining uh, the evolution of Schwartz's defense. And really... We can kind of talk about it a little bit, but in Philadelphia on his way out, when he lost his job in Philly after winning the Super Bowl there, it was kind of because teams were kind of figuring out not so much the wide nine, but the coverages on the back end. What his defense requires is because, you know, you're not asking your defensive tackles to two gap, right? Uh, you're letting them shoot up field and try to disrupt and fuck shit up in the backfield, right? And that's that's what they want from their defensive tackles. It's then responsibility of the linebackers, and they bring a safety up in the box, and that became like a kind of the what they did in the wide nine in Philly, right? There was always that safety creeping up to help with the run, so that that wasn't an issue. 
um, because you're not too gapping and there's going to be gaps open, right? Like there's going to be holes to run through, but they trusted their linebackers and their safety to come up and, and, and play the run behind your attacking front, right? So teams started to pick them apart. Single high safety, right, has gone the way of the dodo bird, uh, you know, a little bit at the end of last year, just because if you're facing a good quarterback, they will pick that apart now. The Joe Burrows, Justin Herberts, you know, of the world, uh, Patty Mahomes of the world will pick apart single high or, or coverage, middle of the field, uh, you know, covered uh, MOFC, it, you know, coverage from your safeties. They're going to pick it apart. So in Tennessee, uh, Shane Bowen was the defense coordinator and, and Schwartz was the uh, consultant, right? But they modernized the coverages behind the wide nine and Bowen helped him a lot with that. So they started to, um, you know, show a lot of quarters, right? And And then, you know, bring a guy up or show single high and drop a guy back. They ended up playing it in, and it's in uh, the article I put out this weekend. If you remember at the OBR, it's VIP, but they played 75% more quarters coverage, which is two, two high safeties behind the wide nine last year in Tennessee than they did when he was with the Eagles. So they've kind of solved that problem of covering behind the wide nine. Right. Uh, and Bowen helped him figure that out. Another thing to your point, Bradley, is simulated pressures. Not a ton of that. That's a big Dean Pease thing, right? Dean Pease was uh, Bowen's, uh, you know, guy. He was his, uh, you know, uh, teacher. Um, and uh, so Bowen got Schwartz to kind of incorporate the simulated pressure where you're walking uh, linebackers and safeties up into the A-gaps, right? And not necessarily like they didn't bring more than four, but they would drop edges into coverage. They would drop different guys into coverage and they would bring blitzes from all over the field. So those simulated pressures and mugging the a gaps to confuse quarterbacks and then bringing pressure from other places while dropping an edge uh, was kind of the key to them to a solving uh, how to cover behind the wide nine, but also blitzing with out sacrificing a guy in coverage, right? So that's another evolution of the Schwartz defense. The third one is what they, and this is personnel usage, which it kind of really leans into what the Browns have in defensive tackle and, and Alex Wright and some of these guys, right? Zedaria Smith is they would line up your traditionally fast guy. So take, for example, like an Oboe Okoronkwo, right? A fast speed edge rusher that excels in the wide nine on one side and maybe line up a normally defensive tackle, but a guy that can come off the edge too <clears throat> on the other side and have him just set the edge while the other one put uh, on rundowns rush the passer that allowed them to also keep two safeties deep behind the wide nine. Thus the evolution, thus the Titan success. They were number one stopping the run last year. Um, it was a good defense. So, so you're going to see, you know, there's different iterations to anybody's defensive scheme, right? So you're going to see another iteration here with the Browns, but you would probably expect to see some of that stuff that 
Bowen and Schwartz did together to kind of help modernize his coverages behind the wide nine and allow them to stay in two high safeties when they need to and not get picked apart because you have to bring a safety up in the box to help play the run. Uh, kind of why I want to make sure you have another defensive tackle. Uh, looking forward to seeing what uh, Joe weighing in here. Looking forward to um, seeing what Thornton will bring to the secondary. Yeah, man, like this secondary. So the, the interesting, we can get into this topic now, and I wanted to talk about this tonight, and um, the, is the nickel situation, right? It's a, you know, drama the most drama ever for a uh, uh, a team's nickel situation ever here with the Browns in this this whole uh, you know we've discussed it at length, but Newsom in the nickel, uh, but there he is again today starting in the nickel, right? Um, and I read elsewhere though, and just like the report was out of OTAs and minicamp. Oh my God, that's painful. Um, that uh, he um, had uh, Denzel inside playing the nickel again. And um, that was the case again today. Listen, uh, articles need to be in audiobooks. I just kind of did an audiobook there for you, Red Leader. Um, hey, uh, so my biggest concern with, like, I get it that, um, Ward and Newsom feel better about playing the the slot or the nickel in this defense because you're not necessarily given a gap responsibility in the run game. However, you're still going to have to play the run more than a guy on the outside just because of the proximity uh, to the football. You know what I mean? You're, you're where you are on the field, right? You know, you're going to have, you're still going to have guys coming to the second level uh, from the offensive line looking to to pancake you. You're still going to have pulling guards and tackles coming at you if you're a nickel corner. So even if you're not given a specific run fit, you still have to play the run, A. And uh, you're still going to be there for a lot of that contact. So, like, it's not a it's not like a, a solution to this, right? For me, putting Denzel Ward in there with his concussion history is asking for disaster. I would not want him anywhere near playing in the nickel. Like his concussion history has him like one, maybe two of those concussions away from 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 his career being over. Uh so like He's great on the outside. Just leave him out there. What don't don't fuck around and put him in the nickel too. Like I don't I don't know why the Browns uh, are so enamored with taking obviously good perimeter outside corners and wanting to fit them in 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 a slot nickel role. They're not made for it. And Schwartz talked about how it's not a different position in his defense, but I don't care how much he says it. It is a different position. You are going to have to play the run more. You are going to get beat up more. You need a scrappier guy in there. Ward has terrible concussion history. Get him out of there. Get him out of there. One time he's going to get caught 
with a guard pulling through. Nobody's there to stop him, and he's going to get flattened, and he's going to be done for the season. He's already got injury issues. Get him the hell out of the slot. Like, I just don't I don't see the upside there, right? Uh, fine, let Newsom do it another year. That's between – if Newsom wants to do it another year and he's cool with it, like, that's fine. That's between him and Drew Rosenhaus and the Browns, right? Like, I don't, if I was Drew Rosenhaus, I wouldn't let him do it. But if they're going to let him do it, that's fine, and I'm all for it, right? But they have, you got Mike, uh, is it Mike Ford? Oh my God, I can't even move. Um, yeah, so uh, Mike Ford has uh, is going to be a guy that provides some depth in the nickel there. And of course, they drafted Cameron Mitchell, and we haven't heard or seen a lot from them. But those are guys, those are your more traditional nickel guys right those are your guys that'll stick their nose in there and and play the run and can cover up close and cover bigger players uh so yeah uh james thank you uh i I mean it just doesn't make any sense to me um shouldn't be expecting the big bucks and not willing to do it at slot corner um sure i guess mark i see what you're saying but like it is a different position. Nobody gets the big butt bucks when you play slot corner. Like if you're, that's why if you're Rosenhaus, you're getting Newsom the fuck out of there. Right. And getting him, making sure that he's playing outside because nickel corners are guys that are pigeonholed into being a slot corner. They just don't, they make like one fourth of what an outside corner makes. You don't see $20 million nickel corners running around in the NFL. You just don't see it because you typically, um, as Quincy Carrier so eloquently, you know, elaborated on my show one time, those guys are the guys that have to fight for their lives in the NFL often. UDFAs, late-round draft picks, guys that have to be scrappy, tough, stick their nose in there, play the run, uh, because that's the only way they can stay in the league. And those are the guys that often catch on and be end up becoming good slot corners. It's not typically your first, second-round draft picks that, that end up being those guys in the NFL. Uh, so if you're the agent of a Greg Newsom and who came out and had a terrific rookie year playing on the outside, I don't know why the hell you would ever co-sign him going on the inside. And he was a good teammate about it and he did it and he struggled through a year of it, but now he's going to do it again. And now we're talking about throwing Denzel Ward in there. Who's already making $20 million into the slot. It's just insane to me. And I don't understand it. Like I, I banged the table for the draft and leading up to this, that they needed to get a real nickel corner who can play all the snaps in there. I thought that's maybe what Cameron Mitchell was, but you know, the problem that you've run into now is you have three unbelievably talented corners. That's a good problem to have. And I'm glad that Newsom is okay. And, and on good terms with playing that, that role. But, my worry is he's okay with playing it now in camp and when they're winning probably, but what happens when they lose or he gets hurt or dinged or, you know what I mean? Like, is he going to change his tune on that? Cause he's done it before. Um, James said if he was quicker. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if Emerson was quicker, yes, but the thing, um, 
I'm not saying, uh, sorry, James, I'll finish here. The thing with that is, uh, with Emerson, is his length is just so valuable on the outside with the, the size of wide receivers. Emerson's length just plays really well uh, on the outside, and that's why you want to keep him out there. Uh, I'm not saying you always play there, but you have to give uh, the offensive difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Mark, you're you're 100% correct. There are always going to be times, don't get me wrong, there are always going to be times that, outside corners end up on the inside inside corners end up on the outside, just in the game of chess that is played throughout a football game. Right. But I'm talking about steady snaps at that position. This is your responsibility week in, week out through an NFL season. Uh, Ward is not built for that. He is not. Uh, Jimmy seemed comfortable today with AB and Stefanski. And if things don't go right this season. Your thoughts? If things don't go right this season, I think that Stefanski will lose his job. Uh, and I think that Barry uh, more than likely will retain his job and be a part of the next rebuild. I, I listen, Barry has talked about so highly in NFL circles, and he's made a share of mistakes. But um, if the Haslam's are listening to people around the NFL. They're telling them that you have a special guy as your GM. Don't let him go. And with this narrative that was created with Stefanski having to remake the offense for Haslam or for, for Haslam. Yeah. For Haslam for uh, Watson. Um, if that fails, that will land solely at Stefanski's feet, in my opinion. Like that opened up uh, the that opened up a situation where the Haslam's can lay the blame on Stefanski and still keep uh, their guy uh, in Andrew Barry. But what's sorry? Let me get to your questions here, uh, Gagan. I think the whole purpose of Schwartz saying uh, that is to set new philosophy, uh, philosophical tone for the defense. You're probably right. Uh, but what's right this season, 10 wins, no playoffs. So that's where it gets tricky, right? It's a good question, Mark. Uh, you got a lot of good questions and I appreciate your contribution in the chat. Everybody's of course, everybody offering good questions here. You certainly are picking up the slack for Jake who lost his power. Uh, right as the show was coming live. So it's just us and me and you guys tonight. So you guys are definitely picking up the slack there. I uh, appreciate it. No, um, you make a great point. So what's enough and what's not, right? So I think ideally, like if they win 10 games, Mark, I, I don't think anybody's going anywhere, right? Like I think that's enough. And, and it also depends on how the offense looks. So if, if they win 10 games and Watson looks like he's on his way, to being back, then I think uh, Kevin's not going anywhere and, and, you know, Barry has enough say that they'll retain them. I even think they could win nine games and have the offense in, in it. And if Watson is good, then, and Watson vocally supports Stefanski, that's enough to bring him back. Like, they're not going to get rid of Kevin if Watson looks good period right like um so 
if somehow, and I don't foresee this happening, the defense just is absolutely awful and falls apart and it's all on the defense and they lose a bunch of one score games and they end up with seven wins, but Watson throws 32 touchdown passes. And this is a very unlikely scenario, but not out of a range of all of them. Then I think Kevin would still be back as long as, as long as Watson is vocally supportive of Kevin, I don't see him going anywhere. Uh, but I don't think he will be if they're not winning 10 games or getting in the playoffs, right? Like if Watson struggles, then that's it. Uh, so glad camp has started looking forward to seeing, uh, young guys, uh, in the hall of fame game. Yeah. So the hall of fame game. And, uh, I wanted that you were, that's, uh, that reminds me. So thank you for bringing, uh, that, uh, up there, Charlie. Um, I made a mistake on me and Jake's show. It was not a live show. It was just a podcast Sunday night. Um, I was talking about playtime in the preseason. So I got the games mixed up when I was talking about that. So game three is Washington. Uh, And Stefanski was talking about it today, and he said, that's preseason game one for us, which is really their third preseason game. So I would fully expect that to be the dress rehearsal. Maybe you get a series or two in Kansas City, then you get a week off and then back. So uh, I was off on the dates on that the way I was uh, saying uh, doing it. Jets say uh, they win 10 games, let's say, not the Jets. Jets don't say shit around here. Let's say they win 10 games but lose the tiebreaker in a game that has a fluky loss, missed field goal. Yeah, I mean, that that goes right to what I was saying before, uh, Gagan. Like, I think that, uh, listen, if they win 10 games, and they whether they get in or not, and the other stipulation, Watson looks like he's, A, has it back or is well on his way to getting it back, then I believe that you'll have Stefanski back next year. Uh, so that that's kind of I think a lot depends on how he looks. Uh, Elijah Moore and Cedric Tillman have been uh, doing well at camp so far. Uh, yeah, so Cooper tweaked something. It's not related to his uh, core uh, muscle surgery he had in the off season. So that's a good thing. So with him uh, out right now. And then, of course, Marquise Goodwin, which is a troubling story with, you know, his um, blood clots and and his legs and his lungs, which he complained after minicamp was over of being short of breath and having some pain. And uh, I guess they've known for some time about this, but did not announce it publicly until they had to. Uh, based on his his injury designation. So that opens up a good deal of reps for guys like David Bell, Cedric Tillman. Uh, Elijah Moore is always going to get the reps, but, you know, Bell and Tillman, of course, uh, and getting more reps because of that. Uh, another guy, somebody I heard somebody talking about today um, that had a pretty good day today sliding in as a replacement and look good last year is Dylan Baldwin, an interesting guy, big body receiver. So, um, not that 
Listen, he's probably a practice squad guy. I'm not getting crazy or anything. The one guy that I think you need to keep an eye on in the receiver room with Marquise Goodwin going down and us not knowing the timeline of when he comes back is most likely Jalen Darden. Uh, if Darden can return kicks, punts, and contribute as a wide receiver, he should make this team, in my opinion, over somebody like... Um, uh, what's his what's his nuts uh i'm sorry his name is escaping me now the just the returner uh jakeem grant who is not much of a wide receiver but just a returner and injured again still so uh that is uh kind of where i i think maybe you find goodwin's injury the interesting thing about goodwin is though right he's been at camp which is interesting right like He's been in West Virginia. He's been there with the guys. He's been on the side, you know, getting work done. Like, I don't know if they're waiting on a prognosis for that. Like the thing that first thing that came to mind when that with that was Chris Bosch, right? Like Chris Bosch, the blood clots, he kept trying to come back. He couldn't come back. This is a terribly sad story. It's a very serious condition, right? So I'm sure he's on blood thinners now and all that stuff, but he's still there in West Virginia. He's still there with the team. I mean, Goodwin really comes across as a guy you want to be involved with this team. He's a veteran. He's high energy. Uh, he had a great mini camp. He had a good year and productive year when he was healthy in Seattle last year. He's still probably the fastest guy on the field when he's out there at his age. So it's a shame that um, he could miss the season and maybe uh, see the end of his career. Let's hope not. Um, yeah, that's terrible news, Charlie. I agree. Uh, good to remember. Um, he has been getting treatment since the end of OTAs and minicamp. He was diagnosed long before we heard about it. Yeah, that's kind of what I was just saying. So he's already on the road to recovery. I hope so, man. I, I hope. Uh, you know, you know, Keith talking about his role, like, uh, would be small, but it would be very, yeah, I mean, absolutely. So like he was on, um, yes, broken air. They do blood thinners make you bruise very easily and they, they, they can kind of wreak havoc on your body. So, um, that's kind of why I'm surprised that he's there, to be honest. But, you know, maybe, like, to your guys' point, maybe he's been getting treatment sometime. Uh, Moore is a burner. Yeah, Moore is fast. So you still have a speed guy out there. Absolutely, Jared. Uh, and Moore. But I had the feeling, and if you kind of watch, you probably, a guy, I probably got the same feeling that they want to use Moore everywhere, right? They want to use him in the backfield, in the slot, you know, outside. They're going to use him all over the field. But, Goodwin was really just like, I mean, perfect for this offense and brought a dimension that wasn't there before as a guy that can just run past guys uh, when it's schemed up properly, right? And like, as we saw that in OTAs and minicamp. Uh, so he will be missed for sure because his, his experience, his ability, he showed you the ability still that if you know how to use him, he can get open. He scored five touchdowns for the Seahawks last year. He's, a, I mean, he's a very valuable guy to have and a great locker room guy, right? Um, so 
I'm glad he's still around the team. I hope he hasn't given up on things, but I feel it's hard to feel good about that situation. And to Mark's point, you know, have a good thought for him, prayers up for anybody and not even the, not even the football aspect of things, but just really just hoping that uh, he can uh, return, uh, you know, to good health in general. Right. Oh my gosh. The power has been restored. He's alive. He's alive. Jake Burns. What's up, man? Hey, can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Yeah, man. I've had a, it's been a weird off and on power scenario here for a few minutes, for like the last 40 minutes. So, yeah, I've been firing through these uh, questions, man. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I know you have like 20 minutes left, but I figured I'd join you for the last 20 here. I appreciate it. Um, I, I appreciate it so much that you reminded me to do this read real quick. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, the fantasy football fanatics don't miss out on fantasy football's greatest weekend. Join the OBR and the nation's foremost fantasy football experts at the Fantasy Football Expo 2023 in Canton from August 11th to the 13th, the weekend following Joe Thomas's induction. We are less than three weeks away from the event. Over 50 of the top fantasy football analysts will be there to share their knowledge and insights for whatever genre that you play. Also to get uh, experience live drafts, courtesy of uh, draftnightout.com, King's Classic Experts Draft, Cornell Tournament, Flag Football Tournament, Fantasy Football Panels, with all of the top experts Friday and Saturday night parties. Party parties. Grab your friends, gas up the car, and head to Canton for this opportunity to level up your fantasy game. Time is running out, so get your tickets today. And yes, the OBR will be there in booth number 24, Nick Chubb 24, in the Expo Hall on Sunday. Interesting in joining us? Interested in joining us? Interesting as well? Interesting. Get more information. (laughs) Get more information and tickets at the fantasy football expo.com. So what's up, man? Nothing trying to survive. Like we've had two awful nights of storms in central Ohio and where we're at, it is, uh, it's just an area that seems to lose power a lot more frequently than, than I would like. So never like losing power, but Dude, yeah, man, I it's absolutely frustrating. destroyed my back just doing like, just putting clothes in a suitcase to pack for tomorrow. Like literally just, just stood up and I absolutely cannot walk right now. Well, it's example, endless examples of your, uh, your age increasing, Brad. That is well, I, I'm well aware of that. Yep. We yeah. talked about that. Uh, a huge reminder that I am a 40 year old man and, uh, but I did. It's not like I did anything extenu- extenuating or uh, out of the normal. It was just. Uh, That's what happens but, when you get older, Brad. Oh is, God, it doesn't take Lord, the, the normal activities to do that sort of stuff. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to drag <laughs> me through the airport. Maybe put me in with the luggage underneath the plane tomorrow. There you go. Injury will happen there. I don't know yeah, how I'm gonna get through this this madness. But uh, I'm hoping to like wake up in the morning and magically be cured. But I doubt, doubt that's gonna happen. 
I'm a man. I'm 40. Justin says, you're right. You're right. I'm a man. I'm 40. All right. So we were talking about uh, everything from defensive tackle to how insane I think it is that they're playing Denzel Ward in the slot. Um, still, um, you have thoughts on that? Like, listen, I, I understand. Like, he doesn't look at it like a different position, Jake. Um, mm-hmm. Schwartz talked about this, but just your proximity to the football, uh, where you're lining up, like you're going to get linemen coming to the second level and still hitting you. And you're going to get pulling guards and tackles. It's just part of playing in the slot. And when they run the ball against you, whether you have a, uh, a actual run fit or not, you're still going to be more involved. And he is a concussion away from, I just, I just don't get it. I just don't get that. Yeah, I think it's a um I I don't it's almost like putting a band-aid over the situation, you know? I think that you can certainly have different different core uh you know, responsibilities or core principles playing in there, but at the end of the day, you I mean, if you play in there, you're going to have to find your way into the into s- certain tackle situations more yeah. prevalent than you would be outside. So, I do think that they're not stupid. They 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 certainly talk to uh, Greg about how the core what they're asking their nickel to do is heavier is is more dense in the side of pass defense than run fit stuff and you, sure. you even look at how they're having their discussions around their linebackers like it's yeah. kind of pushed in a similar direction so um moral of the story is you're you're right that they can't you can't avoid all of that but at the same time uh you know, I, I think it is going to be a different sort of like the core principle of how they coach it and want them to do it is going to be different. So I think that there's going to be a mixture of both. And I'll be very curious how Greg feels at the end of the year and what his actual number looks like, because they could get into camp. And I saw some stuff during training camp and mini camp or sorry, what haven't they're in training camp, but during mini camp and OTAs where I was like, it looks to me like Denzel needs some work in there. Like it didn't look yeah. very clean. So yeah. there's a chance they go through all of this in the preseason in training camp. And they're like, yikes, we, we don't know if we can play Denzel in there the way we thought we could. Maybe we're, we, we just, maybe we're going to need him to be, you know, Greg to be in there a little bit more. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think people think it is defined. It's done. It's over. Uh, but I think it, we're just at the beginning of the road here of this, uh, the situation at nickel. Yeah, I agree. It's like the never ending. It's like, as the slot turns every day, daytime TV in Cleveland, it's like, it's, there's so much drama with this position. It's great. It's insane. Like, uh, ever since Newsom went in there, you know? Uh, so I don't, it's, it's not close to being resolved. I don't think I thought they would, you know, I thought, but when you have three guys as good as they have, you got to get them on the field together. Right. Um, and now you have three really good safeties too. So it's just going to be uh, an interesting situation to monitor, uh, from today, anything that really stood out that you wanted to talk about, Jake? Uh, I know, um, did you have any thoughts on what JOK said about Liz Frank and electing not to have surgery? It's interesting. I mean, I, yeah. I don't I don't really know what that means. I mean, there's follow-ups. I don't want to sit here and say JOK is an idiot. I, I certainly 
would have preferred that he's fixed it, but I mean, I, I haven't studied it the way he studied it. So I don't, I mean, I don't really know, but I, I, I hear that and you talk about fixing things organically or uh, going to kind of try to keep it natural. You start to get a little bit concerned. So, I mean, do I don't feel great about anytime you're coming into camp and a guy says he elected to, to skip surgery uh, instead of going through it. You never like to hear that in my opinion, but you know, uh, what are you going to do, man? I mean, that's his choice. It's his body. We'll see. He's two years of two years of injuries and they're, they're banking on him. His football future is, is sort of, uh, is sort of dependent on staying out there, staying on the field. So, you know, I think that it's, it's fair for all of us to be a little bit nervous about that. Right. So yeah. we'll just kind of, kind of leave it at that. But, but I, I don't, it wasn't a comment that I was like, Oh, that's great to hear. You know, it's not, it's not exactly what I wanted to hear, but hopefully it works out for him. So uh, don't know what's going on there uh, or what happened, uh, but we lost Jake. Uh, they know they took Jake. Uh, so yes, uh, lost audio temporarily. Yeah. So it's not our night, right? So backs thrown out. Jake loses power, technical difficulties here. You know, it's just not, it's not happening, but uh um, you know, good stuff. You know, uh, I, uh, all clear. Good. Thanks guys. Uh, so, you know, the, uh, number changes, this is an interesting picture here. I grabbed snagged some of these, uh, pictures from camp today. Um, Schwartz looking very fit out there, huh? Love those orange shoes, to be honest. I got to get me a pair of those. Those are fantastic. Uh, Nick Chubb with a big smile on his face. So let's talk about this. Nick Chubb talked uh, today about being on the Zoom call with all of the other running backs. Uh, I thought it was very interesting that he mentioned uh, how it hurt them when someone would settle for a $6 million deal. <coughs> Joe Mixon. Uh, and, uh, so that was, uh, I thought that was very interesting that he said that, and he was very aware, obviously, as, as you would expect him to be, that he could be in the same situation as, as all of the rest of these guys next year. Right. And he said that as much today, you know, he's, he said, uh, you know, earlier this week, uh, on the morning show on 92.3, the fan, uh, you know friend of the show Kane Carmen and Lima were talking but they were talking that really if if Chubb was cutthroat as some of these running backs he would hold in now for his contract next year which has no guaranteed money in it and has a 16 point million dollar cap hit to get his extension and they're probably right but as Chubb mentioned in today when he when he spoke or was it yesterday um, he, you know, he's focused, he's all in, he's locked in. That's just not who Nick Chubb is. Right. And, uh, but he was fully aware and mentioned that he realized he could be in that situation next year. So, um, you know, Barry talked about the topic as well. The whole running back situation is they're being rad, you know, radically undervalued, um, in the league. It just kind of the way it is, there's not much you can do to work around it, but, um, and, and he said, uh, you know, 
Barry said, we want him to be a Brown as long as we can. So he kind of leaves that open-ended and, and, uh, there you have it. So, but, uh, Chubb, very, very, uh, yeah, maybe you're, you might be right, Larry. Uh, I think, th I think it was uh 6 million with the ability to get to eight with incentives, uh, Larry. Uh, but he took a pay cut basically. And that's kind of what Chubb, uh, I don't know if he was alluding to that or not, but it sounded like it. He was the most recent guy that I saw that settled for the money. But, like, you can't really blame him, right? Like, in this market where it's all down, nobody else is going to give him that much money. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, six mil and a bonus. Thank you, Broken Arrow. Yeah, six mil and and uh, I thought it was incentives, but maybe you guys are right. Maybe it's a bonus. Either way, um it's uh it's i don't know what's going to happen with this market i i think they like they're tr they're talking about like trying to create their own like union running backs union i don't know if that's going to be very successful i don't see the league swooping in to help them in any way this is just like the market that is created for you or or, or pans out for you is just how it how it goes man and it's just business incentives. Thank you. Um, this guy here. So I was going through the pictures. This is uh, this athletic gentleman wearing 80 is Justin Watson, Sammy Watkins cousin. So this is the guy that they just signed. He played uh, at UAB. He was pretty good. He was actually projected to go in like the fourth or fifth round. Uh, and then I know he played for, the Birmingham, whatever spring football league, uh, XFL or USFL, one of those two. Um, and then the Browns have signed him on, but it's Sammy Watkins cousin. Interestingly enough, um, would you give Chubb a five year, $40 million contract plus incentives? No, I would not. Would I give it to him now? No, really or no. Yeah, he is big. Uh, nice cleats. Yeah. I, listen, this kid's athletic. He was supposed to go earlier in the, uh, draft, but went undrafted for some reason. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, Bradley, I'm also surprised the players union hasn't stepped in to help negotiate. Listen, I, I think they will, or they can, or, or they will try. I think they're fully in, in support of the running backs. But like I said, there's really not like a ton you can do. Market is market. I mean, they can come in and try to negotiate and they'll supply them with, you know, uh, their reps and everything, but there's just not much, not much they can do. Uh, he's, he's not like a burner, James, asking how fast Watson is, uh, Justin Watson is, but he, uh, um, is big and athletic. So that's for sure. XFL and USFL are great leagues for guys who might lead me a little more time to mature. Yeah, it's a great point, Connie. Like there are guys catching on everywhere now. And, um, it, you know, so four or five, thanks Rob Hill, Rob Hill, all over it. Rob Hill in the chat coming up with his 40 time like that. You guys are fantastic. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So Justin Watson runs a four or five 40, not bad for a guy, his size. I think he's like six, three, um, uh, 200 plus pounds, very athletic. So like, it'd be interesting to see what he does. He's got good pedigree, right? But, you know, well, except for Sammy was always hurt, but yeah, Connie, I agree that, you know, XFL and USFL are great leagues for guys that need time. Uh, and 
um, you're seeing a number of guys catch on like this, which, which has to be tough about spring football, right? Like you're coming off of a league that you just played. They've got a lot of NFL, you know, um, coaches, college coaches of name over there take in that. And they take those leagues very seriously. It's a massive gambling market. Um, so, uh, and, uh, some of these guys are making a name for themselves and catching on over in the league, at least to 90 man rosters. I mean, a great example would be, of course, uh, Dearness Johnson, who Johnson, who did that, uh, obviously and, and made his way into the NFL, uh, collusion by the league GMs. As far as running backs go, listen, Bradley, I thought that you could have screamed collusion when, um, Lamar, you know, basically said, uh, got the, um, non, uh, what is it? The non-exclusive franchise tag. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, the non-exclusive franchise tag and teams could go out and match them. And they all basically turned in their card to, uh, negotiate with them. I thought that reeked of collusion as GMs and owners wanted more than anything that not to end up in a guarantee, fully guaranteed 200 plus million dollar deal, because it would have set a precedent that then would have been followed by Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, et cetera, et cetera. And nobody wants to pay that money. Nobody wants to have to put that money in escrow like the Browns did. So uh, that felt like collusion more to me than this does as far as running backs, because it's not like running backs are breaking the bank, right? Like they're still paying wide receivers. They're still paying quarterbacks an ass load of money. Like this just feels like, this feels like teams getting smart on the position. There are a ton of guys that if they understand the system and Nick Chubb is special, so he's different. Don't get me wrong. Derrick Henry's special, so it's different. But there are a ton of guys, Isaiah Pacheco would be a perfect example, that if they understand the scheme, put behind in, in a good offense, they're just, you know, uh, another cog in the machine. And um, teams are realizing that. And they're also not willing to roll into even the late 20s of a good running back's career because the drop-off is so fast and unexpected. Like Zeke Elliott's drop-off, immediate. Um, Todd Gurley's drop-off, immediate. Didn't even see it coming. It just happened. And that's what teams are afraid of. We needed a quarterback badly. I'm glad we spent the money. Yeah, me too, Mark. I I am. I think that, um, you know, we had to overpay to do it, but we're des- we were desperate. And, and you should be desperate for a quarterback that has the potential to be uh, top 10. I agree with you, Broken Arrow. Uh, Mixon is replaceable, which is why, I, and I think he realized that which is why I think he took took the money um, and, and took the pay cut. Because nobody else, I guarantee you this, Broken Arrow, that nobody else in the league was giving him $6 million. I promise you that. I promise you that. Uh, do you think they could settle for more money for less years? 
uh, on contract. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately what you're going to have, Bradley, is is they're going to be forced to. Like, what what do we think happens with Saquon? Um, probably, maybe the Giants, uh, you know, sign him to a, a one year deal, fully guaranteed for more than the ten point five million dollar um, tag, and then renegotiate next year. Well. Okay, but it, I think we're leaning towards running backs probably signing a lot of one-year deals, right? One-year deal, first-year guaranteed, second-year not. Restructure if you want to keep him, force guys into pay cuts in the second year. Like, it's what's going to happen with Chubb next year, and I hate to say it, but there's probably a world out there, guys, where Nick Chubb trades off some payday for guaranteed money down the line in the off season next year. And that's, that's what makes sense. And Pat's right. It is business. And, and, uh, Saquon is hard because of his injury history. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You know, they, they sign James Robinson, I think, which I think is intriguing. Uh, if I'm a giants fan, I'm wondering if I paid the right guy. Really? Like, Danny Dimes, like, did we did we pay the right guy? Did we franchise tag the right guy? I think I might have played it a little differently. Desperate and not too good with our QB draft pick. Yeah, right, Connie. Like, listen, there's no shame in it, right? I listen. I'll take that back. There is some shame in it, right? Just because of the situation. I, I, I but there's no shame in the paying to get that guy, right? These guys don't grow on trees. These opportunities don't come that often. The Browns needed a quarterback to be a real contender. Um, so they paid. And, uh, yeah. And, they, you know, they're, they're just going to – they luckily have a guy like Andrew Barry who will manage the cap well. He has a plan going forward. Um, they're going to restructure that deal every year to create space and pay him up front. Luckily, they have the ownership who has the money to do this, right? Uh, I just read this the other day. The Browns have spent um, something like 300 and some odd million dollars this offseason alone to improve their team, uh, personnel side only, and um, that's number one in the league. So they have, I mean, you have the Haslam's who are willing to spend to win, right? Um, so yeah, James, you're right. They could have had Deshaun from the beginning. Uh, that'll be a all time, you know, so, uh, all time miss there. Daniel Jones will never be elite. Uh, mix the dog weighing in, uh, just not there. Um, I feel they over, I, I, I agree. That's kind of where I was getting at before with like, wouldn't you rather maybe have spent, the money on Saquon, I don't know. They're both, it's a weird situation because I don't know if either of them, because of Saquon's injury history and because you don't know really what Dan Jones is, it's a, they're in a tough spot. I mean, they could be really good again too, but you got to get everybody out on the field first. Um, let's see what we got here, Gagan. It's also a great sign of aggression instead of, 
uh, settling for Kaiser, Colt McCoy, second, third round. Actually, yeah, I mean, you're 100% right. The Haslam's want to win. They do. And Connie says it again here. They do. They want to win. They're willing to pay the money to do it. They seem to be getting out of the way, right? Like the problem at the beginning was never their will to win. It was their meddling ways, right? Like they wanted to meddle in in uh, in this stuff, right? And um, they've gotten out of the way. Just going through the, I, these pictures in here. Well, here. So these are the oh. The themes for training camp, uh, throwback, superheroes, stay in the game, roundbackers, military appreciation, barks, bites. I think I'm, I'm going to be there on the 22nd, 23rd, 24th. So come say hi if you're going to be at camp those days. Um, Say whatever you want about the Haslam. So, yeah, they, they will pay. So, you know, it's the Haslam Sports Group now. I mean, interesting. It'll be see how they uh, proceed with the NFL, right? Um, as, uh, hey, hey, hey now. Hey now. Earthquake. Uh, as they are, or the NBA, as they are involved with the Bucks now. They got a soccer team. All that stuff. Uh, Evan Joseph loves Nick Chubb, by the way. Me too. Other teams will uh, die to have an owner. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, does anybody think that it's a little interesting that the, um, Bengals haven't signed Joe, Joey B yet? I mean, I know it's coming and there's talk of a hometown discount, but what does that really look like? I don't know. It's an intriguing situation, something to keep an eye on that will uh, directly affect the future of the AFC North. Uh, guys, I am uh, in severe pain. This has been a fantastic show. You guys have been great. There's been all kinds of stuff going on here in the show. Um, but camp is underway. Interesting stuff happening. They're taking it slow. They're really ramping it up. I mean, even today, 11 on 11, they were not going hard. Um uh, yeah, so, um, do they have any day for old disabled pieces of crap? Yikes. Uh, rest up, buddy. Feel better. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm very curious too, Mick, to see, uh, what Burrow does. Uh, Connie recommending acupuncture. Bill coming due on Joey B. Yeah, you know, that's why they named they named the stadium, right? Um not not pay core, but uh pay pay uh pay for Joey Burrow Stadium. And uh so they will uh um be paying him, but these rumors and whispers of a hometown discount, uh he wants to keep the band together, he says. But how badly does he want to keep the band together? I don't know. We will find out. Um, I I find it very hard to believe that they will be able to keep Higgins, Chase, and Joey Burrow. That's just uh, hard for me to fathom. James Gagan, Broken Arrow, Mick the Dog, Connie, Bradley Bruns, uh, 
Keith, everybody in the chat that, I mean, so many contributors tonight, you guys, we're locked in. We're fucking locked in. It's, it's time, right? Like, I mean, it's, I can smell the football. I can taste it. Listen, when I come back from uh, vacation, uh, I will be doing shows uh, five nights a week. So we're turning it up. We're locked in. Uh, so you can make sure you subscribe to the podcast channel because I'll be having a show come out every night. I'm going to do some AFC North preview stuff. We're going to do some betting stuff, futures, uh, on the Browns. Uh, we're going to have a fantasy football show. We're going to have tons of guests, uh, Eric Metcalf coming sometime before the season. So keep it locked here at all eyes on Cleveland. And of course the OBR, uh, as always, you know, we, we just, uh, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. This team, I, listen, I, I talk a lot about what our concerns are for this team, but I am so fired up about this team and I really think they can be great. And, and that's why even more than anything, I want them to go the extra mile, get that defensive tackle, get that linebacker, get that third string running back. If you have to right? like you, It, that's what it is, right? You start getting excited, motherfucker. We, it's time, it's time, and uh, we are uh, we are approaching uh, that season, and uh, they can be for real. We're gonna have a ton of good shows. Hit the subscribe button. Hit like. Uh, wish me luck on my trip uh, that I can get through this thing uh, with uh, minimal pain uh, and agony. And uh, listen, you've all been fantastic. The best chat ever. Appreciate you guys. Uh, get that deep threat. Evan just says so. Uh, keep your eyes open. Listen, remember, one cut down this year. One cut down. Um, we can't bet. Connie, you can't bet fantasy football in Kentucky. We just got sports betting. Up. Maybe, yeah, I would think. See, it was backwards in Ohio, right? So you could play DraftKings and all that good stuff. Best ball. I have way too many best ball lineups. Way too much. Too many. Best ball is like the greatest thing ever, right? You draft. Pick your players. Let them play out. I had a good year last year, but best ball drafts are fantastic. Lots of fun. So, um, But yeah, we'll, we'll get into some gambling stuff too uh, for the upcoming season. Bengals game one, as Mr. Dog said. Me too, man. I, I would not have want to have to wait for that. The shit talk already coming out with the white jerseys. I mean, it's just the season is going to start like just at level. It, it's going to take so long. This <laughs> this uh, ramp up period and off season is going to take so long to get here. But you know, once it's here, it's just going to be. And if they come out winning early. Town's gonna be on fire. On fire. For real. I think we beat them too. I already I when we did it, I had them beating the Bengals. They just kinda of, we just kinda of have their number, so. Uh, I got a feeling about it. I got a good feeling about this year in general. So let's roll with that. Hey, thanks guys. Uh appreciate you all. Go Browns. Stay locked in. I will be back after vacation fully locked in. Uh, and hopefully you guys are there with me 
uh, and I'll be live once a week here with everybody at the OBR on this network and of course listen to my podcast uh, we're all popular podcasts are found. thank you guys all uh, and uh, appreciate you go Browns have a lovely evening I will see you in a week Bye.